All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This is a Web Canopy Studio production. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves with John Scott and Tim Wurzberger. I hope you're all excited. I know I am. This week, I get to talk to my buddy, Ryan Miller, goalie for the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, or Anaheim Ducks. I think they might have dropped the Mighty. But it's a good, good, candid conversation I had with him. Ryan's not one to mix words. He kind of just lets you know how he's feeling, and he's really smart about the situation. So we get to talk about how the coronavirus affects him, his future, where his, where his legacy stands based on, you know, he's the most winningest goaltender in U.S. history, all that fun stuff. We touch on the 10 Olympics with the golden goal, how he kind of felt about it. So listen, enjoy the episode. This episode is brought to you by Bets Online. I know everybody's kind of bummed out about the coronavirus, but go over to Bet Online and check it out. Anyways, enjoy the show. Millsy. Yo. Oh, you're alive. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Uh, nothing, just doomsday prepping. I know. So is it wild out in California? Well, I think like everybody else, we're just, there's not a lot of information about, you know, really how to conduct yourself except to get prepared. So... We're just erring on the side of caution. Uh, we had the, our little guy out of school yesterday, and then they confirmed they're going to close schools Monday. And we're just uh, we were in the process of moving this year, so we kind of just went and stocked the house up like we normally would, but kind of did a little bit extra. Yeah, man, that's scary. I know we we kind of just shut down locked ourselves into I did the big Costco run two days ago and we are not going anywhere for a little bit but we yeah it's 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 crazy so when like how did they tell you guys were you you finished that game and then what happened I mean we finished the game and it's just kind of like we'll let you know what's going on and I mean we fully expected to kind of get the announcement we'd probably play to empty arenas it's kind of what we figured because it didn't seem like there were any cases reported in the athletic uh, world. And then I think the second the NBA guy 
uh, tested and he was positive and that there's so much uh, cross uh, contamination like basketball yeah. people and hockey people are kind of around each other in some cities so I think when that kind of happened I think that uh, there's really no getting around what 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 had to be done but I think we were all just kind of kidding ourselves like uh, I mean a lot of this stuff should have been kind of kicked into gear much earlier I think we were just a little bit in denial as a country uh, even if it's not going to end up being bad you, you want to get on the right side of these things and uh, you know you watch how some of the Asian uh, communities have dealt with outbreaks in the past years and then how they've been dealing with this and they they were way way ahead and very precautious and they're still you know having issues so hopefully it turns out for the best everyone thinks they're invincible right so it's not going to happen to me yeah so we're, we're and then FGL, everyone's infected yeah so we're uh as a team we you know we're just got the group text going uh, I threw a group, like, text to the boys in the morning when I was at the pharmacy, picture of my cart, kind of like, hey, let's go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah, so do you guys train? You can't really work out unless you have a house gym. Like, what is the – because I think you guys will be out for a month, if not more. How does that – like, if you test negative, do you get together for practices just on your own? Like, what's – We don't have any information yet here. You're, we're actually we're having this conversation when we're kind of in limbo because they just told us to go yeah. home and and uh, self quarantine. Uh, they gave an indication that there would be more information and maybe today, but it wasn't like a hey we know what's going on we're going to tell you. It was more just we think that we'll have more information for you tomorrow. Just go take care of the family life and we'll let you know. Yeah, I mean that's basically where they left it and there's no hint that will we finish out the regular season or some of the regular season or we're just going to skip that altogether which would mean in our situation we'd be outside the playoff picture obviously so um would that mean our season's over um yeah a lot of there's gonna be a lot of uh a lot of questions for the next little while I know it's such a weird. Hey, I, I forgot to introduce my my co-host Tim is here. So sorry. What's going on, Ryan? How are you, how are you doing? Good. So you guys, um, uh, you guys, just hiding away up in northern Michigan. Yeah. It's slow, like it's in Detroit, but it's slowly creeping up. I have like a family vacation planned for Scottsdale next week that I think is just gonna already get canceled. So it's just yeah, all our schools are canceled here. It's really kind of starting to. It's like a movie. It's like, where is it going? Where is it spreading? It's so bizarre. Yeah. Uh, I mean, same here. We Obviously, we don't really make any solid plans until hockey season ends. Yeah. Uh, so we, we don't have any plans per se, but um, we are just kind of in that what do we do next kind of moment. <laughs> have you thought at all about what, what you're going to do in your time off? I mean, you got like the next Netflix queue, Bane's ready to go or – Stack of books nearby. Well, we got a five-year-old who's going to be very bored. Uh, you know, for us, we're just trying to figure out uh, how to get organized, uh, make sure we got everything we need around the house, and then from there, it's going to be more about okay, can we take advantage of some family time? But uh, like right now, we're just uh, like like I said, we were moving, so we're grabbing a few things from the house that we were moving out of. 
and we're trying to get things kind of dialed in and the new house and it's kind of a, an adventure in and of itself so this is kind of makes it doubly stressful <laughs> so we're, we're, we're figuring it out an extra added piece for you ryan the life of a hockey player it's always hectic it really is yeah for first world uh pandemic problems <laughs> well listen let's get back to some hockey talk about some fun stuff rather than this depressing coronavirus stuff so ncaa just shut down their whole season they're not doing any of that stuff i talked to a few guys at mtu some of the seniors what you won the hobie baker you had a lot of success what it's such a weird i don't know what to ask here what do you tell a senior or a guy in your stage in your career what if like the season ends, what happens next year for a senior in college or an older guy like Patty Marlowe? We talked to him last week. What what mindset do you think those guys are going through? Well, probably the same one I'm going through. You know, nothing guaranteed. Uh, and I was treating this season like, it, you know, if it ends up being my last, I was trying to take take it all in. So I feel like I had given, kind of given myself that grace period where I was going to, like this last month is when it was really starting to hit home and now it, it ended very abruptly. <laughs> so now I'm kind of like home yeah. and I don't know how to feel about it. I'm uh, still processing quite a bit. So I, I, I do feel for those guys who thought they had more season in front of them and especially guys who maybe won't continue on playing next year. Cause I feel like, you know, I could be somebody who's in that boat, you know, so did I play, my last game and then did this, uh, did I, did I lose out on like that last 10 or 11 games? So, so going back to your, uh, your Michigan state days, like John said, you had like really a record breaking, uh, stint there. I think you still got records for shutouts and wins. You had the Hopi Baker. I mean, what was, what were your options coming out, coming out of high school? Why'd you choose the, the NCAA route over going to a junior team? Well, John sat next to me for a long time in Buffalo you can tell you I'm not a very big person and believe it or not, when I was a teenager, I wasn't very big. So uh, for me, I've, I did have a certain amount of skill, I think at that time, but I just what didn't have the size or strength. Like I, I had a good hockey sense and I did have the skills to compete in like midget hockey and, and entering junior hockey. I was playing good, uh, good hockey, but you know, was it a, did I have the frame and the, and the, the skill set to become a pro? Like it was still kind of uh, an unknown. It was a lot of it revolved around my strength. So when that realization kind of kicked in, the guys were much stronger than me uh, and getting a lot bigger, taller uh, for a while. It was basically like, you know, I need time because uh, – you know, I did, I did stretch out a little bit when I was like 16 till I was 17. Like, like I got my driver's license. I was like five, eight. And then by the time I was 17, I was like six, one. So I had like a, a quick, uh, quick growth spurt, probably not anywhere close to what John experienced yeah. in life. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, how much weight did you put on from, when did you leave college? How many years did you stay there? I was in, I was there three years, but I, I spent an extra year. Uh, playing junior hockey just the way things okay. worked out I, I identified that I wanted to play college and then so I kind of 
took me out of the junior mix. And then as I entered into, uh, like our Canadian junior rather. So as I, I played tier one US, which would be kind of like tier two Canada, uh, yeah. like North American Hockey League. I played in Sault Ste. Marie for two years. As I was playing there, I had a chance to go to Clarkson and play on a scholarship and start as a true freshman. Uh, the same time uh, I grew up and my, so I'm the ninth one in my family to play at Michigan state, uh, play hockey there. And my brother drew was 10th. Oh. So there's a lot of history there and Michigan state, the way the goaltending had worked out is if I came as a true freshman, I would be like directly a year behind Joe Blackburn who, who would have a, go on to have an all American year that year actually. Mm-hmm. So we worked it out where if I, if I played another year junior, took that year, obviously to get stronger, get bigger, I had an opportunity to get a full ride at Michigan State as well. And, not, and so I took that opportunity as, as a dream of mine to play Michigan State since I was a kid with our family history. And although Clarkson was a great school, great hockey school, and presented me with a unique opportunity, I just really wanted to go with, you know, if I pass up on something that I'd always dreamed about, you know, what does that say about, you know, my mindset as a person? Like I, I gave myself the opportunities right there. So I, I decided that, you know, that's the way I was going to, I was going to work it. I was going to take that year, get stronger. And, you know, it worked out quite a bit. You know, I, I, I played a lot of hockey in the junior level, got to play a lot of starts, uh, get some experience uh, because the, the game schedule is heavier than college schedule. And, you know, I started to work in with Michigan State's plans uh, and get stronger and, and, you know, it definitely would, you know, help me to have that extra year. I think that's kind of why I focused on college because I thought it'd be the best chance for me to continue playing, you know, best chance for me to, to move up levels. Let's just give yeah. myself some time. I can't imagine how weak you must have been in high school because even when I saw you in pros it's not like you were pushing up 250 pounds of the bench press you still oh. I mean, <laughs> how weak were you <laughs> well I don't think I was even doing bench press then probably I mean no. there got to a point in college though like we were doing so many workouts and you're at that age where like everything's kind of hitting right and you know, you're working out almost like we had more of a football style workout back then. So, I mean, we were, we were benching quite a bit. I, I think at one point I could bench over 200 pounds. I don't think I could come in really? close to that now. Yeah. Wow. I, mean, I, I swear to God. That's funny. Yeah. Cause in, in college we were just doing Olympic, Olympic lifts. That's all we would used to do. Oh yeah. Push press, negative. dumbbell squat. That's bizarre. Yeah. So many negative reps that you felt like you're going to pass out and die. But yeah, at a so, certain point, you know, I did have that strength. But then I think when you saw me in Buffalo, I, you know, I was trying to figure out how to play the number of games I was playing, maintain my body, and it wasn't always a situation where I I could maintain through the season. I, I it's really really difficult. It's something like it's a lot easier now that I'm backing up. <laughs> I can maintain for once. So so fast forward in a couple of years, drafted in '99. You first kind of saw the show in '0203. When Baron was the, kind of the, the number one there, um, what was it like kind of learning from him a little bit? Did he show you the ropes and what it takes to be an NHL goalie? And what was what were some of the things that he taught you? Yeah, uh, coming into Buffalo is Marty and is Mika Nornan. They, they kind of held it up to us like, okay, guys, 
figure it out. Like it's the three guys, somebody's going to come out on top. But it was, that's how it was presented to us at, in most of the conversations, or at least to me, you know, Marty definitely had a leg up and being coming from junior playing, I would say just at the time, probably that was probably a little bit higher level. And then coming into pro and he's had, he had a couple of years of pro and worked with Hasek there. Uh, so I just identified it as, well, this is a straight competition. I just have to be dead focused on this. And, you know, from that, uh, it was kind of inspiring that Marty is just such a great guy. You know, he, he's so nice to me, he took me in and I recognize this as a very competitive situation, but, you know, we were, we were always so friendly with each other, talking, uh, able to be easy in the situation. And we were both going out there and the Sabres at the time, I think we just caught the right kind of group and right kind of attitude and everything was really about winning and doing it together. And we really supported each other. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, you guys had some amazing talent during those years. You know, you got names like Drury, Vanek, Briere, Finneganov, Brian Campbell. Looking back now, did you guys, did you expect to go on more playoff runs than you ended up doing? Oh, yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, when you, when you have success, you never think it's going to stop. I remember walking out of Carolina when we lost in game seven, just thinking the next time we walk into a rink in this situation, we're going to win. And, you know, those chances aren't as frequent as you, you think when you catch that right kind of team, when you have that right kind of group. And that's what was really sad about that situation was, you know, we had two cracks at it. And then Drury and Breer are gone. And then a few other guys are gone. Brian Campbell's gone. It just started, you know, peeling away. Uh, we And we we built it back up in 2010. We had a good year. And we we would have these moments where we'd get close. We get, But, you know, that, that special flame or whatever it is that you feel with a certain kind of group, it, it never quite got back to that level, and that's the sad part uh, because we all knew it was there, and we I kind of felt like it just – we didn't recognize how important it was to keep the guys who made that uh, special. Um, when I was there, was – and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Was the rumor true where they offered contracts to Drury and Briere, and then they kind of messed – played around with it a little bit? And they didn't give them the contracts, and there was kind of a, a paper kind of trail. And then all of a sudden, they had a really great year. And then they want Buffalo's like, "Oh yeah, sign those contracts." And like, "Well, no, we had a great year." What was there yeah. something behind that? Because a few guys told me that. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to really know. I mean, I hear the same things, but people always kind of want to inflate things or look at it with uh, hindsight. Yeah. I, I mean, even that situation where you say, well, Drury, Breer are gone, then Vanek gets offer sheeted. I mean, that really, you know, tied Darcy Regeer's hands because, you know, he had an idea of how he wanted that team structured, and he thought for sure he was getting one or both, you know, of our captains back. And then it's like they're both gone, and then he get, has to pay Vanek at a level where he can't really balance out the other, yeah. the other side of things with, other players so it's like you know we were immediately kind of put on tilt so it's really unfortunate because it's like 
yeah, maybe if they got a, ahead of it a little bit more, but you don't know how the negotiations work on either side. You know, you know, two, two people have to, or two groups have to negotiate that. So I'm not sure. Yeah. I just heard that from a few different people. And I was like, hey, I wonder what the real story is. So I guess we'll never know, but yeah, it's uh, so you mentioned starting a bunch of games. I just looked it up. You started 76 games in 07, 08. Yeah. How do you start that many games? Like that is incredible. I looked up the record too. It's 79 by Grant Fuhr. So you almost set the NHL record for games in a season. Like that's, that's mind boggling to play 76 games, especially in this generation where you're getting so many shots and you're just, I think a little bit more active than they were back in the day. Yeah. I'm not sure how that worked out. I just remember it really was going off of Lindy and how he felt about the matchup and how things like the schedule wasn't as condensed as it is now. Yeah. So, and we had the East Coast, and our travel wasn't terrible. So it kind of felt like we had this. Sometimes you have like these two or three days to kind of just breathe. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know how guys are even playing close to seventy games now with the way the schedule is condensed, and you have some teams have twenty instances of back-to-backs, and then it, especially if they're a Western team, you have all the travel. Yeah, yeah, so that wears on you a lot. so yeah, it's I think it just was a kind of an odd, odd year, and we were really pushing to make the playoffs, and I think we missed it by like a couple points. So the one thing I noticed when I sat next to you, and I tell this story a lot, everyone's like, "So who was the the weirdest goalie ever played with? What like what did Ryan Miller do?" And I'm like, one of the weird things Millsy did was on an off day, he would set up his pads in your stall and you would back up and you would look at it and you would have a pair of scissors and you'd go and you'd cut and you'd step back and you look at it and you'd always be cutting stuff off and adjusting stuff. What do you like, what are you doing? Like, why would you do that? Uh, I mean, you're probably talking about like chest protector and stuff. Yeah. Well, just always just this fiddling with stuff. I'm like, yeah, why I mean, that's did you more, always do that? Well, it's, it's a lot of the stuff that is, been flushed out and gotten kind of solved over the years you see like you see guys wearing stuff now where you're like oh that makes sense well back in the day a lot of stuff didn't make sense or didn't make sense to me at least um a lot of it was just reaction to getting absolutely roasted by a slap shot (laughs) and you're just like i don't want that to happen again uh and other stuff was just trying to you know make the equipment work a little more efficiently like uh, like knee pads fitting under the pants and how they how they move and so they don't get caught on stuff like that kind of just little things and yeah you've you've played long enough where so Kay Whitmore does all the goalie stuff still or is, is yeah. that kind of change no he's doing so it so did you play did you start before he came on the scene yeah they weren't checking in that fashion when I started and then did you have to change your padding at all did you ever try to like not cheat the system but like just make yourself bigger or like have you did your pads change along the way knew knowing that you're going to get checked every so often well not in that way i mean you always try to max the max it out i remember when i came in as a pro, uh, pro i was wearing uh, uh vaughn equipment and vaughn for whatever reason they the, the pads i wore uh they would vary because they're made by hand uh and like a lot of stuff is measured and cut very differently now but like um at the time you get these pads and they would look a little bit thinner like i remember i got kind of a mandate from management like you have to wear different pads you look too small 
Hmm. So I had to kind of like build myself up and get used to this different gear that all the other pros are wearing. And then it just became the evolution of the gear. And like now, I mean, we can't even really alter anything. You know, your chest protector can't be altered. Pants can't be altered. Not that we were like, I was cheating anything, but um, like if I felt like something was in my way or if I was getting hit somewhere, I could add a pad and then send a picture of it into the league and say, Hey, I'm getting hit. This doesn't look like it uh, affects anything as far as sizing. Are you guys good with it? And they'd be like, yeah, it's fine. But now they have to really see things and there's a lot less you can kind of tinker with. So it's all fine. I mean, I think that you've adjusted pretty well. I think that uh, the, the gear's gotten so good uh, that there's less of that. I, I just feel like the foams and the, the plastics, like all these things that they have now are just at such a high level <laughs> compared to what we were using back in the day. Like, I mean, I, I'm pretty much, you know, I, I had to have a bone taken out of my wrist a year, like a year and a half ago because I was just getting beat down over the years in my catching hand. And I, I mean, if I was wearing a more modern glove, uh, you know, it probably doesn't happen. Are you like Marty where you don't change your certain equipment you've had your whole life? Cause Marty still wears those skates that he had when he was in junior. Yeah. Do you have anything like that? I mean, probably would have been to a certain degree. I think maybe yes, but I've tried to evolve and like my pads are very much more modern than when I started. My glove is, probably it's sort of like it was like 12 years ago but it's kind of the modern version and i don't know you just get to a certain point where you trust yeah certain things and i I went through x amount of games without getting hurt so it's like you're kind of thinking well i don't want to just switch something to switch i have a need you know i would switch with currently no NBA, NHL, college basketball, or college hockey, you might think that there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Bet Online still has hundreds of places to wager. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Sports aren't totally done. There's still MMA and esports is on the rise, baby. If you're into entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and even... My favorite, the Nathan Hot Dog Eating Contest. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your new ticket to online action. So speaking about getting hurt, the reason I became your teammate, <laughs> the incident, Ryan. Oh, yeah. Was there anything behind that, or was that the only time you guys tangled together? No, not, nothing there that I know of. Just, uh, just the play. Lucci's just ran you, and that was it, and then it just kind of went from there. Did you, like, he obviously had a reputation. Well, the thing that kind of got me, and I think everyone kind of jumps on top of, is, you know, I stayed around to give that interview. Because, I mean, I'm never going to be able to beat the guy in a fight and probably not ever going to square off against him and do anything other than get pounded. So, I mean, like, what am I really going to do? So I just felt like I had to say something and I'd, I'd stand behind my commentary because I made eye contact with him and I, I don't feel like I was 
that far oh, out. Oh, is that time. right? I didn't know that. When he was coming down, you guys locked eyes. Well, yeah, I look, I'm watching him the whole way. I see that he's completely lost the play. He's not going to be able to catch up to it. And I, I made my way out, and I'm looking. He looked right at me, and then he kind of put his head down again. Oh, no so, way. Yeah, so that's what I'm kind of sticking with. And, you know, it is what it is. It's a, it ends up being a play in hockey, and we, we're, we're moving forward. Did you were you happy when then I got signed? You're like, yeah, here comes Big John. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. In hindsight, for more than one reason, I had a lot of fun uh, hanging out with you. But uh, you, you did cause a bit of a stir in our first exhibition game. What happened? I don't remember that. Yeah, what he, happened? You don't remember uh, tracking down? Uh, yeah. Well, well, you got. He went after uh, Phil, and then he he tried to cut you down like a like a tree, and started a huge melee. Was that your first fight ever, first and only? Uh, yeah, it was one of them. It was the only one where it really squared off. I was laying on the bottom of a pile. I had like eight guys on me, and all of a sudden, I hear the place erupt. I'm like, "What is going on?" I didn't see you fighting until I got in the locker room. After oh, yeah. and I saw it on the replay. What brought that on? How did you guys end up fighting? Well, Clark was it Clarkson? He jumped the bench. Clarkson jumped off. Yeah. All right. So we're outnumbered, right? So I'm like, okay, yeah. we're outnumbered, and this is not going well. I'm gonna have to probably do something. So, like if it's if it's all even, maybe the goalies kind of hang back. But it's automatically I see a guy jump the bench. It's outnumbered you're going to get attention from probably like three guys because that's what it would take to wrangle you. But, you know, I didn't really know, like, once I engaged, like, it's probably going to make the, their goalie engage. And if I'm, if I'm, you know, in the pile, I, I don't want to get sucker punched. I figured I might as well just square off with the person who's probably going to, you So know. you asked Bernier to go. Well, we were both kind of, like, he – he wanted to go and I was, I wanted to help. I wanted to help in the pile. And I was like, well, if he's going to eventually go, I'd rather not get sucker punched. I'd rather square off. I love it. Oh, <laughs> I was so happy when you came into the locker room afterwards. I was like, yeah. All right. That was so fun. Did you not have fun out there in that? Come on. It was fun. It was fun until he slid out of his gear. Like he had like the stretchy, like uh, um, Velcro on his stuff. So he kind of like slid out like a, like, I was like, oh man, how did he get out of his stuff? Like he got like out of everything. It was like, he, like a, like a Houdini escape out of all that stuff. I was like, wow. So I just ended up playing a lot of defense in that fight, kind of making him punch over top of my elbow as it was like protecting, you know, nothing really happened. So, but it, it was fun. The boys had a good time. <laughs> I thought it was great. Those rivalries we had with us and then Boston, how were you happy? that I beat up Thornton or did you want me to fight Lucic? Cause I always asked him to fight. He never said yes. I always well, kind of regretted that not being able to fight him. Yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, I, it is what it is. And like I said, I, I didn't think it was, a, you know, uh, I don't know if you, if you talk about yeah. the code of hockey, it's like when you make eye contact with somebody like that and you're just making a play after you, if you, you know, he missed a puck. Yeah. He could have been on a breakaway. You know, he made eye contact. I just think that 
the like the chivalrous thing to do is just be like, ah, you know, that play's gone. But you know, he made be, yeah. he you he know he escalated it. Yeah. But it's like in a situation where you know I can't really do anything about it. I'm not as strong as him. I'm never going to be in a position to do anything about it. So, you know, I'm, I just tried to kind of move forward. Yeah, maybe you should have continued with your college workout regimen, Ryan. It would have, <laughs> ta- it would have taken a lot more than a college workout regimen. <laughs> oh, geez, There's that's some big funny. boys in the league. And, you know, that's it, why I'm there, baby. That's why I'm there. Don't worry about it. So, uh, so Ryan, you kind of had a reputation uh, as being a shootout specialist and kind of known for being aggressive on the shootout attempt and challenging the shooters outside the crease. How did that become your approach, and what was your, your philosophy there? Um, just kind of the way I grew up. Uh, like, like I said, I wasn't very big for a while. Um, so a lot of the style you kind of learn is in that kind of early – teenage years you're kind of figuring things out and then you're translating it and I wasn't very big so I kind of had to skate a lot so I was skating a lot and putting pressure on guys to make a decision they didn't want to make uh so really I just learned how to set traps you know get guys going directions they don't want to go and as I got bigger and cover more net I could kind of pick and choose but I, I still like to maintain a certain uh, distance from the player. And, and when guys started figuring out what works and what doesn't in the shootout, it, you know, it's, it's changed quite a bit. I mean, at first I feel like goalies almost had an advantage. Guys were just like, what do we do? We yeah. have to keep the puck moving forward. So they're just trying these really quick moves where you could really set the guys up and, you know, take away the net or, or make them make a bad play. But now we Where did you want them to shoot? Well, just kind of limiting their options, you know, not, you know, that's why I wanted to be close to the play, you know, instead of giving them, you know, three outs where they can shoot five hole or glove or pull it around you or something like you really set it up. So they really have maybe the one good option and the other ones aren't looking so good. Yeah. It would take a long who, time to who, explain all this. <laughs> <laughs> who do you think was the hardest player to stop in a shootout or on a breakaway that seemed to always uh, to score on you? Oh, I mean, there's been a lot of guys over the years who are tough. Um, I mean, when it all f- first started, I think Kovalev was somebody you looked at, like, what is he going to do? And then as guys kind of evolved and got a little bit better, um, yeah, I don't know specifically in the shootout, but, I mean, there's, there's just guys who are, yeah, sorry, I can't think of one particular guy. Kovalev's a good one, Milzy. That's, that's a pretty good one. So you've had some massive moments in your career. You've won the Vesna in 2010. Also in that year, you won the MVP of the Olympics. Can you, like, just talk about, it, was that a bittersweet award because you guys lost, you know, with Crosby's infamous goal? How How is that to, to accept that award, knowing that you guys lost uh, the final game? Like, what was going through your head? Well, luckily I didn't really know about it. <laughs> oh, is that right? Well, yeah, it's, it's a weird one because the way they set the Olympics up with the time frame is basically like everyone just kind of left except us 
you know, the U.S., Canada, everyone else is pretty much gone, I think, except maybe for a handful of players. And I kind of told myself, because the, the ceremony, the opening ceremony, wasn't really something that was available to us So, because of the schedule. So um, I was like, man, that would have been cool to be a part of. The only way to be a part of the closing ceremony would be to be in the gold medal game, essentially. I was like, yeah. I was like, you know what? If I can be a part of the closing ceremony, it means we've had a great tournament. I'm going to do it no matter what and enjoy myself and, and just take, the, take in the moment. And uh, so we were hustling to get through that, and I got selected for random drug testing. <laughs> so we just lost in overtime. And I had to go down into the, you know, it was in Vancouver. We had to go down into, like, the like the, the catacomb basement like area for this in this isolated kind of area for this drug testing. And you have to go like, you have to go like immediately after getting undressed. So I couldn't even go in a lot. Like you have to do media right after coming off the ice because it's international. So like you just lose and you have to walk through this grid of media people. Oh, and then it's like, you, you do like, they kind of limited it for us there. So they did one, th like one interview and then they, they had some other stuff available and then I got to the room and like, hey, you got selected for drug testing. And like, I didn't even talk, like my, my parents were there. It ended up that my uh, my wife, uh, we were just dating at the time. She came up uh, earlier in the Olympics and then she went home and then she ended up coming back because we made the gold medal game, but I didn't know she was going to be there. Like all this stuff is happening. I want to see my family and we're <laughs> stuck down in drug testing. Uh, and I'm trying to like, process all of this you know we just got beaten overtime and what i feel is one of the better games you know that has been played and uh, certainly yeah. the best game i've been a part of and yeah it was just wild and surreal and i so then i got on all of our closing ceremony uh like wardrobe and a few of the guys wanted to do it i, I think about half the team, maybe or so, I don't know, maybe a few more. Um, finally, get all ready, and we're just kind of like try to go and take it all in. And while we're walking over there, somebody's like, "Hey, by the way, you got MVP of the tournament." Oh, that's gotta be cool. <laughs> so that's kind of yeah, like, cool, Ryan. yeah, it was cool, but it's also kind of like, oh, by the way. So that's kind of how it all the out. best players in the whole world are in the tournament and you won the MVP. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, I took it like that. And I, I'm proud of what we did, it, but it is still hard. Like I'm actually trying to figure out what to do with the, the Jersey and the metal right now that we're moving houses because the metal has been in a lockbox and a sock drawer for 10 years. So <laughs> I know. Do you display it or do you just kind of just I, put the Jersey up? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm proud of it, but I'm also, it's, it's hard. It's a, it's a weird one. You can send it to me if you want. I'll, I'll put it up in my house. <laughs> <laughs> so, so adding to your, your list of accolades, Ryan, you have the record for most wins by United States born goaltender. I mean, at, at what point did that become like on the radar for you? Was it something that you were striving for? And, and what does it mean for you to have that record? I mean, I guess I didn't really look at it, but I knew there were certain numbers I wanted to hit when I was signing with Vancouver. And I, I felt like, you know, we, we had a couple tough years there and I got injured at the end of my first year and games are starting to kind of slip away. So when I was able to sign in, in Anaheim, 
and kind of really look and see like, okay, like if your career winds down, like what's, what's out there, you know, that, that was there. And I was like, oh, well, that would be cool. <laughs> so it, it, it's been nice to, uh, to play, you know, this long and have the opportunities and, and to kind of push the, you know, push the, the goal line a little bit further down because, um, I mean, an American goalie is going to cruise past this record. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Goalies don't start as many games like they used to, like you said. So that that's a that might be a tough one to kind of break. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I feel like you know, Quickie is very close if he keeps a certain pace, and you know, we'll see. He certainly is right there. Yeah, he's about sixty behind you. I think. I don't know. We'll see. So, so my last question, Ryan, then I'll hand it back to John. But um, we've asked John before, you know, he talks about his teammates and his playing days. And I asked him a couple of weeks ago who the smartest player he ever played with. And he said you. He said you were always kind of up on the, the local, you know, um, news and current events and all that stuff. Very well-read and well-spoken guy. Um, and he also talked about, like I said, the, uh, the, the superstitious stuff and, you know, the, the fiddling with your gear. So I want to kind of give you a chance to maybe share some – some locker room or on ice stories about, about John and maybe some of the stuff the fans might, you know, have a laugh at. <laughs> well, I don't think I did an interview the entire year where John wasn't in the background somehow. I, I love, <laughs> I love just being on camera. <laughs> I, he, I think he, he was either in the background of the actual shot or he's in the background of the interview. So it's tough to kind of keep things moving along in the interview. Um, no, I, I I like playing with John a lot because he kept things real light, uh, despite people probably. Uh, well, I think people really got to know him a lot more because the the All Star game and and how much uh, joy and fun you know he kind of brought to that. Um, and that's what he brought to the locker room. Uh, I think people looked at his role on the ice as you know intimidating and and sometimes that can be kind of a mean spirited kind of situation but you know there's nothing about that with John and I always had a lot of fun hanging out and talking with him it was nice to be next to him in the locker room and because uh, you know the, for the times I get focused for the game and I, I'm not as talkative certainly when uh, when I'm trying to be dialed in I think that uh, it's nice to have somebody who wants to be you know a little more talkative having some fun because I can kind of share in that energy and I don't have to really give a lot of that out. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I think I pressed you to talk more than you pressed me to talk. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I like talking, but it's certainly easier when somebody else can do it for you. So I had a question about you. When, when you were picking free agent teams, when you were you know, a UFA, how much of a factor did the wife play into that when you were picking um, where to go to? Oh, it's been because uh, I know Noreen was pretty. She's like, I don't know her acting career right now, but she was pretty, pretty big back in the day when I met you. Yeah, and she she continues to work, and she's on a network show right now, recurring, and you know it's a big part of the decision making. Although you know hockey is so intense that it does really become a very selfish kind of job. It, you know, it, it takes so much time, and it, you know when we've added. Uh, 
we added that we have a family, it, it certainly becomes a lot more responsibilities. So, you know, a big part of coming west and and remaining west or, or even getting to Anaheim, uh, yeah, a lot of it's family driven, but it was also opportunity driven. I think Vancouver at the time was a great opportunity. That first year I was yeah. there, we made the playoffs and things got a little bit uh, off track uh, in a transition kind of moment, but, um, you know, we, we had a good veteran playoff team that first year and that was kind of what part of the decision and same thing with Anaheim coming to Anaheim, we were a playoff team. And again, things kind of went, went off track a little bit. So, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, you know, that's how it goes in the NHL with the, the, the amount of parity and the salary cap and whatever, uh, you're going to get these cycles and, but you know, my decision was based a lot on family and a lot on opportunity. Yeah, that's what I respect about you. You don't just kind of you take everything into account. So, speaking of you know, ending your career potentially next year, the year after this year, who knows? When you retire, which team will you retire with, and then subsequently, when you go into the Hall of Fame, because it'll happen. Which team do you go into the Hall of Fame with? Well, fortunately, I, I, I. I don't have any uh, real say in those decisions. I, I, I'm gonna. Don't you get to pick who you go in the hall with? I think you get to pick your team. I guess I'll worry about it if, if I'm uh, at that level. I, you know, that's it's just something where I I feel like I, you know I feel I at least had another month of hockey in me. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, I think you got a few more years, Brian, for sure. So yeah, we'll see how things go. Uh, Buffalo is dear to my heart, uh, obviously, and I've had great experiences in, the, in my other stops, but, um, you know, I always think back on those years in Buffalo, as, uh, especially the early ones where we were really defining, um, you know, who we were as players, you know, with a group, you know, included guys I came up with from Rochester with. You know, those were, yeah. uh, those are fun years. When I, I still, I'm still pretty good friends with Patty Marlowe. We interviewed him a while ago and Joe Thornton. And when I asked them about, you know, their futures, Jumbo wants to stay in San Jose. Like he likes it there, but Patty, he said, I'll play anywhere. I don't care where it is. Like if, if someone wants me next year, I'll play. Do yeah. you have that same mentality or is it you, you would like to stay in a certain spot or else you would just kind of call it quits? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Uh, need yeah. to evaluate. I, I I was allowing myself to kind of be here in this moment, and yeah, I haven't moved past it yet. So okay. it's tough to say. Well, I got to say, Ryan, we we teased out the interview a couple of days ago, just you know, letting people know we're interviewing you and what questions they had, and pretty much unilaterally, unilaterally, it was all stuff like. You know, just from from Sabres fans, just letting you know how much you mean to them and to that fan base. I hope you know, you know how much you're still loved in that city, and you know they'd love to see you back there. Well, yeah, appreciate. That was in time to talk a little hockey. Yeah, it's probably reciprocal. But anyway, Millsy, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know you're moving, you're busy, but I really appreciate it, bud. And maybe we can touch base again in a couple of weeks and see uh, if there's any movements. Yeah. How's it going if you're in the new house? And uh, we'll, we'll see uh, We'll see where we're at. We'd love to have you back on, man. 
Yeah, anytime, Mike. Um, hopefully things are good with you guys, and everyone needs to stay safe. So uh, plan accordingly. Keep your head down. <laughs> Guess what, Millsy? My wife's pregnant with number six. No Believe way. That? Yeah. How? How is this possible? You guys are outnumbered. I'll, I'll send even, you a video. Do you have to like have both sets of grandparents so you guys are all playing one-on-one, or what's going on? No, we have her, her parents help us out, but it is, it is a mess. Why do you think I retired? I just want to fill myself with kids, my house. It's insane. You it's guys are just wild. constantly on the penalty kill. Like you're a specialist now. <laughs> it's his own defense. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so, so anyways, enjoy That's the peace and quiet. Thanks, man. But anyways, we'll be in touch. I really appreciate it, Millsy. And, uh, yeah, have fun at home. All right, bud. Later. All right, see you. Mm.